0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The focal point of our worship today is the table. You've seen it as you came into the sanctuary. We have witnessed the gifts of God for the people of God coming down the middle aisle and being placed on this table. Our psalm that the the choir sang really, really is a container for the goodness of God, ancient words uh, ascribed to, uh, to David, maybe on a hillside as a shepherd lad, uh, saying that, uh, that the Lord was a good, caring God, and that he in his own day may be plucking on his, his lyre and with, uh, with his voice, traditionally we think that he had a beautiful voice. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Certainly the Holy Spirit gave him those words and they wove together his experience as a shepherd and, uh, and the insights that the Holy Spirit gave him about, uh, about the Lord God. And they have comforted countless people in countless cultures. And they have also opened up an, uh, a durable understanding of, of the nature of God. David lived in a time of, uh, of violence, of violence. Warfare, tribalism, if you read in the new Old Testament, you start to uh, see some pretty, pretty gory stories and uh, stories of obliteration and stories of, of torture, uh, stories that uh, seem in our language very extreme. In contrast to that, here is David A man after God's own heart that offers this this durable image of God. The Lord God is a good shepherd. David was in charge of seeing that the sheep would have good nourishment and, and it became an apt metaphor for the Lord God in his life and in the life of all those who believed and followed God. There is nourishment, there is peace, there is good water to drink, there is growth, there is wellness. And so maybe that's why the story from Luke 24, the story of the walk and Jesus joining the the grieving disciples, seems to resonate together for us today. Because we have the crucified Jesus risen again, appearing to the disciples on that third day. It's later in that day. And into the evening, into the dusk, as they make their way back to Emmaus. And as, as they're going along, he is feeding them. He is giving them good nutrition. No, they probably didn't have granola bars in their robes, and Jesus didn't bring a gallon of Gatorade along to, uh, to keep them hydrated with the right electrolytes. But he was feeding them, he was nourishing them on the word of God, on scripture, on the truth of God that had come through Moses, the great lawgiver, and also through all the prophets, those who foretold the things that God would be doing and also told forth the things that God was doing. That was their source, that was gifts of God for the people of God in that time. And so as the disciples walked along, they were bereft, they were uh, confused, they were they were probably half crazy. Grief makes us like that, doesn't it? And here, joining them was Jesus in their need. Maybe they thought that, well, it's nice to have someone along with us, and this person seemed to be kind of kind. A little ignorant because he doesn't seem to know what's gone on in Jerusalem back there and and how crushing that is for us. But still, it's good to have a kind stranger along, maybe asking good questions so that we can be distracted from our deep sorrow and our own confusion, our own despair. And Jesus nourishes them with scripture he nourishes them with interpreting scripture he helps them to understand what does this mean he helps them to see don't you remember that that god would send a redeemer that the god's will is that his people would be redeemed brought out of not only the slavery in egypt uh, through the obedience of Moses, but but also through a wilderness, a, a time of of wondering, a time of, a, of of great confusion. Maybe what you're going through, Cleopas and your friend, maybe his wife. Don't you remember the the prophets through the centuries? Sometimes when there had been not a word from the Lord for for a long, long time, and then. Someone spoke with power and truth, and there was a resonance in the in the needs of the people and, and also a stirring of their faith, maybe dormant, maybe maybe they thought this was lost or obsolete, and, and yet it stirred again to life through the prophets. And don't you remember, maybe looking specifically at the, at the songs of the servant in Isaiah, we talked about those earlier, the songs of the servant Isaiah saying that it is necessary that the servant suffer, that on him would be cast all the iniquities of the world, and that he would be persecuted and and reviled, and uh, even the hairs of his beard would be plucked out, and he would be uh, smitten, he would be beaten terrible awful things to to talk about or imagine and, and yet this stranger in interpreting the scriptures kind of chastises them oh how foolish you are and slow of heart to believe do you remember that? now believe it and don't you see that that has happened don't you see that the sequence of things that God gave to the prophets to give to us has come about and don't you remember that uh, there was to be a rising on the third day and so what you're saying about uh, the women coming from the tomb finding it empty and and, in the disciples uh, they're they're seeking to follow up on the uh, on the women and what they had found and not found don't you see that This is all coming to pass. And then it all kind of comes to the table, doesn't it? Cleopas and his companion are are there. It seems to be their home. And and they're saying, well, well, we, we stop here. And then the stranger Jesus acts as if he is going on. Maybe that was convention. We still do that. Well, it's good to be with you. I'm really hungry, but I'm going to keep going. I have another couple hours to go. I don't know where I'm going to eat. That's a, it's a cue for, oh, why don't you come and eat with us? Maybe that was it. Or Anyway, it was an expression of the expected hospitality, especially among Jewish people, and especially at the end of a day, um, No streetlights. Traveling alone, it was dangerous. Uh, Robbers out there, and and so uh, and so. Cleopas and his companion insist that Jesus come in and uh, and stay with them. No, no, no. You need to stay with us. And then, very conventionally and naturally, they brought out something to eat. It would be expected that they would offer bread to the stranger, a guest in their home. And this is where the conventions change because the stranger, Jesus, becomes the host. Maybe Cleopas, it was his house, we assume, would have been the one to take the bread and and break it into pieces that they would eat or maybe use as scoops in the the bowl of of, of gruel or or whatever else was available then. But it's Jesus that reached for the bread first and he took it. Maybe Cleopas and his companion are thinking, oh, Cleopas, you're slow. This guy's really hungry. He wants to get to the food. Or maybe there was a deeper part of themselves that said, this is Another unusual thing that has happened to us in the presence of this stranger. And Jesus, now the host, blesses it with a, a Jewish blessing, acknowledging that this is a the God event. You have given the grain, you have given the, the soil, you have given the sun, you have given the harvest for, for the grain and the flour which has turned into this bread. And we give you thanks, O oh holy God. Adonai, Jehovah, Lord God. And then he broke it. He broke the bread, and the story says, and then their eyes were opened. It hadn't been that they were, eyes were closed, but he's talking about their spiritual eyes. Maybe the same way that they had heard Jesus say once, those who have eyes but still do not see. He's talking about their eyes of faith. He was talking about that part of themselves that can receive the illumination of the spirit to see what else is going on in that moment, in that now. And then they knew that it was Jesus resurrected with them And maybe breathlessly they turn to each other and they say, Were not our hearts burning within us? Or was it mine? Was it in yours? Were not our hearts burning within us as we walked, walked along the road and as he interpreted the scriptures to us? He was telling his own story. And then and they, they realized that they had been in the presence of Jesus. They gathered there things and I guess the bread was still there on the table, broken, uneaten. It doesn't say much about that. Maybe, maybe they stuffed it in their robes for the, the trip. But the main thing was they headed back to Jerusalem to tell the story of what had happened with Jesus there on the way. And, and this is the last sentence and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. It's the good shepherd. John 10, Jesus says point blank, I am the good shepherd. I'm not a thief and I'm not a robber. I'm valid, you can trust me. I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Or other versions would say to the full, to the max. Or kind of like Psalm 23, your cup of life can overflow. That's why I'm here. And so this Jesus resurrected in their presence, in his body is still the good shepherd. He is still worried about their abundant life. And he is giving them the nutrition to make that possible he's breaking the bread needed for energy for their physical lives and he has broken the scripture illuminating them with the truth of what God had been doing in there and then and how that was to be understood as what was happening here and now the last few Sundays, we've been looking at the the resurrected Christ. Treasures of the resurrected Jesus. And it kind of brings us to this this table. The story does. This appearance of the resurrected Jesus. We've considered the hopeful future. We've considered the, the peace that passes understanding. And now today, we consider the nutritious companionship that Jesus offers. The bread. The bread for their bodies, the bread of his, of his interpretation, his illumination. The bread of his presence and disclosure of, of who, what he is really about and who he really is. That he is the good shepherd for all time that he comes to us in our need and like most shepherds would do, with a dim awareness of maybe what the sheep would understand the shepherd is doing, he still cares for the sheep. He knows their need before the sheep do, probably. He knows more about them than they do about him. And yet that doesn't cause resentment in the shepherd. It doesn't cause anger or cynicism or skepticism. Dumb sheep, get down there. You're lost again. Why are you always so slow? Now you look what the mess you made. Now, that's a bad shepherd. The good shepherd knows, loves, nourishes the sheep. The good shepherd knows that there's, there's something that is, it's really messed up there. The flock seems very nervous or scattered. What is the reason underneath that? What is going on? And this, this poor lamb seems to not be doing well. Is it, is it just a weak, stupid lamb? No, there is something else that, that needs to be attended to. It's limping. It's something in his hoof. and here, let me, let me get that out. And maybe even the lamb resists the, uh, the pain of removing that, the thorn or that stone or something in his hoof. And yet tenderly and insistently with strength, the, the good shepherd removes that. And the lamb is still limping. So the good shepherd hoists the lamb onto his shoulders and carries it. So that it might be not be left behind the flock. All the good shepherd things that we know about, all the things that we've learned from Psalm 23 and from from Scripture, from Jesus' own teaching, they should come flooding back to us as we are at this table. The realization that that God is is present to us in a nutritious Savior tending to our needs, wanting and longing that we would be well, that all the aspects of our, our being within our physical self, our emotional self, our, our relational self, our, uh, the way we, we exercise control and release in our own worlds, all those things would be in balance and there would be a wellness in us most of all, perhaps, encased, encapsulated by our spiritual wellness. Who we are in in our soul, our being before God, and our our willingness to come into that center. Knowing that this is the beginning and the end. That this is the place of of real truth. That this is the place of absolute honesty. That this is a place of of a being in the place of pure oxygen for our our spirit sometimes we're given responses within ourselves that's maybe what cleopas and his friend felt in themselves they didn't say wow we learned a lot from that companion who was walking with us never thought about that, but now I know this and this and this about uh, Moses and the prophets and how they were interpreted. Did you hear how he put that phrase? I've never heard that before. Now they were beyond what was going on in their heads. They, They said, were not our hearts burning within us? They weren't talking about their physical hearts only. Maybe they were. Sometimes our our souls have physical manifestations. It's all connected, you know. But in their understanding, their Jewish understanding, the heart was the center of their being, their, their will, their, their, their whole being that held everything else together, their minds, their emotions. Their heart's not right, nothing is working right. If their heart is right, everything else is going to fall in line. they said, were not our hearts burning within us? And they wanted to tell the disciples that too. It was a sign that was given to them by the Holy Spirit. Maybe the presence of God that that said, this is a theophany. This is a holy time. This is evidence of the, the Lord God being with you. Cleansing and purifying having your complete attention and then also inviting you to more wellness. The nutritious presence of God is with them. Maybe you've known that yourself, a burning in your heart. Maybe you've known a wave of something, and maybe sometimes we call it emotion, for for lack of calling it anything else. Maybe you've had moments when you've forgotten to breathe and, okay, I, I, I need to breathe, I need to blink my eyes. Or maybe there's times when tears have come out of your eyes unbidden. Why am I, why is my book getting all wet? Why? This is ruining my tie. And there are just tears that are coming out of your eyes deep within, and you don't know, and maybe later on you might know a little bit more. John Wesley is, is one of the most well-known people that, that talked about that kind of experience, and it was very close to Luke 24 and Cleopas and his friend. He wrote in his, his journal, in the evening I went very unwillingly, very honest, to a society in Aldersgate, Aldersgate Street, where one was reading Luther's preface to the Epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. John Wesley, his journal about an Emmaus Road experience, I felt my heart Strangely warmed. The center of my being was, was on fire. There was undoubtedly the presence of the Holy Spirit that transformed that into just another boring meeting of a society in Aldergate Street. The Spirit reached into my life, and my heart was strangely warmed. As we come to this table today, most of us know what to expect. Have that bread, we'll get a little bit of it, and then we'll, we'll sit here and kind of think about God, think about Jesus, think about the cross. The cross is very evident. No, it's still the Easter cross. My mind always has a tendency to wander. does yours... I've been learning, relearning again with the contramands the the answer to the question, what is the sacrament of the Lord's Supper? The Lord's Supper is the sacred use of the bread and the cup as commanded by our Lord Jesus Christ. At the Lord's table, we recognize his presence. We remember his suffering. We proclaim his death until he comes. And we partake of him in faith. Did I get that right, Jessica? (laughs) Pretty close. They're really hard on me. Those four things, those are all doorways. They are all reinforcements of, of what The people of God whose hearts were burning within them have found as they have come to the Lord's table, Jesus didn't say those things. All he said, do this in remembrance of me. It's all the believers since, all your ancestors in the faith that have said, there is a lot happening at this table you can open your eyes and if you can receive and know that nutritious companionship of the Lord Jesus the host himself at this table you'll recognize his presence you'll remember his suffering you'll proclaim his death until he comes you partake of him his being his resurrection his suffering until he comes again all those things are available to us. By faith, let them happen to you as, as we come to this table. And maybe especially as we sing and approach the table now. 571 in the breaking of bread. It's about the story in Luke 24, 571. you keep the page open you'll notice an invitation to the table that is one of the favorites in the whole Covenant Church. Come to this sacred table not because you must but because you may. Come to testify not that you are righteous but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on the grace of God, but because in your frailty and sin you stand in constant need of his mercy and help. Come not to express an opinion, but to seek his presence and pray for his spirit. If the invitation has touched you, if if within your burning heart you're saying yes, I need to come to the table on those terms. Join me in reciting the Apostles Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, he descended into Hades. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Turn with me to Selection 943. Let's stand. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord God. Is All glory is yours, eternal God, who made the universe. We praise you for this earth, for life and breath, for beauty we have seen and wonders still to come. From the beginning, your living word has guided and corrected us. Your prophets have called us from disobedience and prepared us for the coming of your Son. We pray to you for the right to show our transforms and, love and, love and, love and love. For you raised him from the dead and set him over all creation. Through your Holy Spirit we are members of his body, the church, and heirs of the promise of eternal life. Therefore, with grateful hearts, we join the faithful who in all times and places praise your name, saying, Holy, 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 God of power and majesty, heaven and earth are full of your glory, O God most high. Holy Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembering me in the same way he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembering me we remember you Lord Jesus Spirit, who brought us here to proclaim the risen Lord, unite us in one body with Him who loved us and gave Himself for us. O God, who called us from death to life, we give ourselves to You, and with the church through all ages, we thank You for Your saving love in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the night in which our Lord is betrayed, He took bread. when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is broken for you. As often as you eat this, do so in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took a cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood that is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the blessed host of this meal. We know that in our heads help us to feel that in our hearts. The invitation that we've heard is from you. And we seek to be drawn into your true intention that we would have life abundant. I pray that as we confess our sin and as we receive your forgiveness that we find ourselves humbled and hopeful and that our our hearts would burn within us. The very center of our beings touched by your nutritious companionship We thank you that you are such a good shepherd and we, your sheep, come in gratitude to recognize your presence, to remember your suffering, to proclaim your death, and to partake of you in faith, amen. You may be seated as the servers come forward in your bulletin and review uh, some lines that are there. I moved some of the phrases that we've talked about into that familiar spiritual, let us break bread together. And we're going to sing those as we share the bread first of all and then there's another four for sharing the wine. Uh, Kay's going to play it for us and you'll see how it fits together. There'll be a here and now of there and then. I hope I need to get a copyright on these words. Maybe not. As you receive the bread and share it with each other, use the words, the body of Christ, broken for you. Make sure that word broken is heard. It's a part of our scripture and something that Jesus did to to signify that he was sharing himself and even is willing to be broken for our sakes. May the people of God be served with the gifts of God. for your salvation. Take and
1: eat the broken bread.
0: Our faith the broken bread is participation in the broken body of Christ so also to our faith the cup is a participation in the shed blood of Jesus hear and we'll share these words with each other the blood of Christ shed for you will hold our cups until we all receive and drink together and of <laughs> The blood of Christ shed for you. Damn. I don't think this ever happened before. Carolyn said, The blood of Christ shed for you, Dan, and she winked at me. <laughs> That's the right response. This is a joyous event, isn't it, when I wink at them. Take and drink the blood of Christ shed for you. Thanks for your service. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Lord God, we thank you for the, uh, for the truth and the transforming power that has religious names, uh, salvation and atonement for redemption, for, uh, for those words that seem to be reserved for your power and your intention your character and it is so so right that is that is true and we thank you for all the things that overlap into our worlds kind of the incarnation of who you are into our worlds bread broken words shared tears and laughter You came in Jesus to make sacred those things in our days, in our moments, and we thank you for your presence in that way today. We lift up people in our midst who who are struggling, and we pray for those who are grieving. Even as Cleopas and his friend were grieving on their way, you... Minister to them in their need. We pray your spirit would minister to those who are grieving. We pray for spots in the world that are are undergoing unbelievable but devastation. We're thinking of Nepal. And uh, we can't get our minds around the loss of life there and, and the destruction. Um, and so we, we turn to you. For not only for what we can do, but that we might... Not just turn away and be overwhelmed and isolate ourselves. Help us to be compassionate and to turn that compassion into into prayer, into uh, even weeping for for those who who weep or maybe even are so devastated they can't weep. Help us to be a, a global people. We pray for the situation in Nepal, and also for Baltimore. We pray for for the uh, the riots there, and for the wounded community. And we pray for the the underlying tensions and confusion, and justices and injustices in that city. That we sense are, are part of the whole nation. Help us to, to pray and be people of compassion. Help us to, uh, to be open for your truth to reveal itself and arrest us in this here and now. I pray for each, each person here today. I pray for their hearts, that they might be strangely warmed, warmed by your loving presence, by your nutrition, that they might welcome and be companions of you on their way as we go forth. I pray that all this would glorify you. I pray that all of this would please Jesus the host at this table, the one we love and adore because He first loved us. In His name all God's people gave thanks and said, Amen. Amen. Stand and sing together as we go forth. 680, lift high the cross.